How's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Doubt my volume here. Cody, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Good. But the night so, Iowa City last night I had a little private plane. I had to had to land it in Iowa City because we had this big weather storm coming in and big wall of clouds. So we basically I hit the ground running, coming to work, <clears throat> hour late, nice. catching up all nice. ever since. <laughs> let everybody know uh, we're happy to get this started. The first series, I think we'll see more uh, good friends of ours, Grant Wells with uh, Wells Ag Supply and. Uh, BW Fusion. We got Bodie Kitchell on the call as well. Agronomist. Uh, uh, Bodie, can introduce yourself. Grant, you can introduce yourself. I got Todd on the phone from my office and uh, Jordan, my son. So we're, we're super happy to kick this thing off with these uh, folks. And like I said, they're going to be constantly helping us out, helping pass along information. They're seeing grants in uh, Fonda, Iowa. Uh, Bodie, where are you at? Uh, North Central Indiana, smack dab in between Indianapolis and South Bend, right up the U.S. 31 corridor. Cool. So, yeah, so they're going to give us their insights on some things they're seeing. Todd's going to kick around things. We talked to uh, give you guys, everybody, the, the lay of the land. Todd probably talks to more farmers uh, in our operation or our office than anyone uh, on a daily basis. And Jordan also talks to a lot of producers. And Jordan probably talks to a lot of uh, – Oh, ag executives, uh, guys that are running some bigger businesses and things like that. So he's going to give us some insight on that front. And of course, Grant and uh, Bodie on the agronomy side and telling us some things that they're seeing working out in the fields, uh, what they're seeing return some ROI, what's kind of bullshit, what isn't bullshit. And let's kind of just clear the air early. And uh, this probably won't be super filtered. So um, we're going to talk openly some people might not like it. Some will. Those that do, you know, tune in for more episodes. Those that don't, peace out, I guess. See you, see you uh, on another show. So, um, Jordan, you kind of want to kick things off and talk, tell folks what, what are some things people have been writing in and asking us. And yeah, I we think, can kick around uh, to the group. Yeah, on the fir first thing, probably for sure. And I think these guys are going to have a whole lot of uh, insight on it. But I, I mean, we know the answers, but I get calls every day and people are asking, why, why are inputs so high and are the, are the prices going down anytime soon? Are they ever going down? What's the plan next year? I guess just uh, everything on input prices. So I, th I think Grant can probably kick that off and Bodie. Yeah. So it's been a, just a, I don't know, just a series of a bunch of things that started a couple of years ago. It's, you look at the chem space, um, you know, started with, with uh, tech shortages, plants blowing up, and then you got the COVID and now, you know, America trying to kickstart back into gear here from being shut down and, you know, can't get labor, you know, paying people too much to sit at home and, and uh, you know, trying to just trying to get that whole logistical thing, um, you know, trading back and forth with China. You know, I hear that, um, you know, shipping containers used to cost 3000 bucks to, you know, to get something over here. There's 30000 bucks now. And so, you know, other other industries that that can absorb these kind of you know fluctuations you know they're getting the first priority and agriculture is kind of getting kicked to the bottom and and we can't get you know can't get can't get in there and bid for these containers and, and make it affordable so a lot of it starts with that shipping and you know then just the logistics here in the states 
um, you know, fuel prices going up and shortage of truck drivers and, and, and trucks. And then, you know, the fertilizer space, um, you know, I didn't, I don't like it, but you know, the, the U S has actually put tariffs on imported liquid nitrogen. And I don't know why I'm not an expert on that other than like in Europe, um, they put it like a tariff on, on us on CF, being able to dump tons in their country. So, you know, CF kind of led the charge, you know, to kind of get the United States to blockade them you know, from dumping in here, you know, as well. And then, you know, Simplot, some of these big companies monopolizing the P&K market, shutting, shutting down production just to drive prices up. And, you know, Wells Ag, you know, we started this business um, as, as, a, as a light for farmers, you know, a way to expose the truth. You know, one of our core values is, um, you know, we sell what works. Uh, we aren't, uh, we don't sell manufacturers. We're not biased and we can't be bought, right? So much of this industry today is bias and, you know, bullshit. And it's, and it's they'll, 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 you know, companies will line up, you know, in, in certain areas just, just to see what's going to pad their pocket the most. So we like to really expose the truth and, you know, kind of call everybody out. And, you know, in this, in this agricultural input space, it's not going to get better for 2022. It's going to be worse next year than it was this year. Roundups, um, all the, all these chemicals, they, they won't guarantee price until it hits your doorstep, but they're not, they're not shipping it either. Monsanto took $8.50 per gallon price increase here two weeks ago. And there's nothing we can do about it. And so, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think it's going to be worse. I think farmers really need to be looking at, you know, on the herbicide, you know, what is a conventional corn spray? You know, what are other areas or other things we can do without using glyphosate? Um, because there's, there's going to be a real shortage on it. So basically no good news for 2022. Yeah, I've, I hate well, to, I, I've had a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of guys calling in asking what the hell are we doing here? Like, are, should we be locking in some, a half? Do we think this thing could run away to the ups? You know, natural gas is, is traded to seven, eight year highs. And I've got some hedges on against natural gas just in case we run away the upside in some equity plays. But, uh, you know, if the, the, the bottom line is this, you get a really shitty winter and a cold winter into Europe, Europe's sitting on low supplies of nat gas. We're, we're putting out quite a bit of uh, compressed natural gas, CNG, and liquefied natural gas. So we're starting to export more. If, if, if they get hit with a bad winter with catch caught on low supply, there's a strong chance natural gas prices continue to truck higher. If that plays out, if, 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 you, we could have some serious input uh, concerns facing us next year. So I've been talking to some guys. We, some of us have been locking in a few things, a few select items. You know, I don't know. What are you guys seeing? You know, any glyphosate that you can get your hands on physically take and pay for, you know, mid thirties or less, that's a buy. Um, Liberty, you know, there's going to be, um, you know, equal amounts as, as there was last year, but the demand's way up. So get your hands on, on, you know, either generic or brand. Um, I'd say, you know, in the forties um, is going to be a good buy. Those would be two things I'd want to lock down. If you're a generic dual user, I'd want to lock that down uh, as well. You know, but we're talking P and K um, what's so, what's so awesome with what B2B fusion is doing. And it's been, it's been really, uh, you know, six, seven, eight years in building 
uh, is other alternatives um, to, to how to think about fertility. You know, I, I have thousands of customers and, you know, they call in here and like, you know, Grant, what's your map and DAP price? And I just can't, I can't, I can't not tell them about what we've seen with how to handle phosphorus differently. And it really started um, about six, seven years ago when I found Biodyne. You know, I heard Monsanto was going to invest in biologicals. And, you know, unfortunately, um, sometimes uh, these big companies handle some of these new innovations and sometimes the data is skewed, right? And it's kind of fits their rhetoric. And I love Monsanto to death. Well, you know, Bayer merged with them. So I love Bayer. I didn't really love Monsanto, right? Uh, still love Bear today, but um, you know they stretch that rhetoric. So I wanted to find a company who's family-based, no BS, no venture capital money, right? You know, you get a venture capital company in here. You know, they're just going to lie to you to get a sale. So I was looking for a good company and found it with Biodyne. You know, family-owned company, um, straight-up solid products, no BS, and uh, started. You know, talked about phosphorus solidization. Like that's a new thing, and you know, Wells built our market. Uh, based off trust. And trust means we verify, right? And when you're dealing with products that are not EPA registered, um, the only way to do it is, you know, three years of history. And so I started looking at that. I took some farms where I, I drastically reduced. I mean, I don't lie. I didn't put any phosphorus on because it was my own farms, just checking them to see. And by year four, usually, you know, your, your, your soil test is going to start dropping on the phosphorus. And my damn soil test started going up. And I'm going, this is crazy. I'm pulling big yields. I haven't put any commercial phosphorus on and my damn soil samples going up. And, you know, but we didn't really have, you know, didn't have a whole bunch of like all these other checks that uh, at the time, just mainly it was just the soil test. So, you know, what BW Fusion has a, is invested as a Sagronomy 365 program. It pools, I don't know, Bodie, you can chime in 60 some matrices about all the correlating factors, but honing in on P because that's what we're talking about now. There was, there is zero correlation, zero correlation to higher part per million P in the soil to higher tissue. And, you know, the key driver was, is biological, um, you know, biological activity. And, you know, when we destroy and deplete, you know, the, the dirt with, with working it, you know, we're, we're, we're and plant corn on it, a monoculture, we're, we're, we're pulling that, those levels down. So, where we saw the best phosphorus was where we had a biological added to it. Not just any biological, but the one from Biodyne that has six phosphorus solubilizers in it. So again, I took, a, you know, I have two studies this year. I call it my Newell farm. I have one side, it's 27 part per million in the soil. The other side's 40. And we're now following at tissue, six different sample points. And my spot with 27 part per million actually beat the tissue every round than the spot that had 40. And so honestly, Map and DAP to me is one of the biggest wastes of money um, that we can look at on a farm today. And, and fusion's really, and it's not about one macro either, right? It's about a balance of, a, of all of them. And, um, you know, it's, you, know, you got to pay attention to P. You got to look at a biological and, and how to, and, you know, look at your P tissue and how it correlates to other things. But putting more map and DAP on that costs seven, $800 a ton, you know, that's 60 bucks an acre for removal rate. So it's one of the it's one of the first as a farmer in this environment. It's one thing we can do to fight back against the monopolies is go, hey, look at this, look at what I can do with this bi biological. And you know, again, we've got six, seven years of proof now to show it that it's not the limiting factor. 
Let, let's let's back up one sec. I, I think Jordan, we need to tell everyone. I mean, so the whole thing at, at our report, I you know, when the folks think back when I start, I, I don't take any advertising money. I've got a couple of partners uh, with Benson Hill and Organics. I'm trying to do uh, some things, help Grant uh, in a few areas. He's going to try and bring some products that we don't have at our uh, fingertips out here where we're at uh, into our area. And if folks are interested in some of the stuff Grant has that he's figured out uh, through his research and through his, you know, due diligence, I think, you know, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your whole team, I think we'll be able, and the, and the farmers, that's the whole thing. So I met Grant, we were going to do it. Uh, well, I first met Grant through BASF. I went and spoke for him up uh, there one time when he had a customer appreciation meeting. And then we were going to run some organics on some areas where he's got a team and we were going to sell it through one of their vendors. And they're like, yeah, we ain't selling shit until we test it and put it on some farm ground first and just double check it off. And I love that he said that and, uh, and their group said that and, and they were doing some different tests, but long story short, I think Grant and I are on the same page that we both believe that the powers that be and who, whoever you want to deem that's in charge and running this whole show uh, here in the U.S. I mean, they're going to jam this climate change thing down our throat. We know that's coming. There's not a question whether you agree with climate change, disagree, whatever your stance is. We're going to have to be forced to reduce input costs uh, and try and grow more higher yields in the, in the wake of that. Reducing inputs, improving soil, trying to get carbon credits, improving air quality, reducing runoffs, all of the above things. So the entire program, this entire series we're going to do the next several weeks and months is about finding ways. And you don't hear this very often from a guy that's in the fertilizer business and the input business, how to reduce inputs and some of your bigger costs. So I love it when Grant and Bodie turn over their data or share their data, I should say, on what they're actually seeing on farms in various areas, running various trials and on various products. So this particular instance, I think uh, Grant and I were talking the last time we spoke about melt-up being put on after, uh, after the harvest. How are you seeing that? What have you seen, Bodie? How's that helping? What the hell is it? You know, what's, what's included in it? What, what is it basically doing? And how's that lowering some of the cost? Yeah, so <clears throat> Meltdown is, is a team of over two dozen, two dozen microbes. I saw Grant smiling when you said melt up. And I, I, I was like, said oh, melt up, meltdown. <laughs> Wasn't sure who's giving who heck first. So, but uh, no, melt, Meltdown is a team of over two dozen microbes. Um, and, and really, Biodyne's focus is a consortium or, or the team and really trying to stack or overlay microbes with specific capabilities. And so when we start to talk about meltdown, um, meltdown uh, degrades cellulose, lignin, and chitin. And cellulose, lignin, and chitin all exist in, in plant and animal waste. Uh, they're referred to as complex carbons. Um, and those complex carbons actually exist in our soils too. So the best way for anybody, if this is, you know, whoever watches this, if this is new verbiage for you, think of, of complex carbons as the, the barrier to entry, if you will. Um, and basically what that is, is the barrier to entry of all of our available nutrition that's in the soil. So you heard Grant talk about, you know, an $800 a ton map, um, you know, putting 150 pounds or a removal rate costing 60 bucks. 
when an acre furrows slice of soil, there's roughly 20,000 pounds of phosphorus. Now, if you guys are going to look at your soil test, you're probably never going to see 20,000 pounds there because the methods that we use to test today don't test your complete pool. They just test um, not a plant available. You have a plant available and then you have a, uh, a larger pool. Um, and so really what we're doing or what the microbes are doing is one, they're breaking down the cellulose, lignin, and chitin. Two is we have phosphorus solubilizers that are taking insoluble bonds and breaking those bonds apart, and they're giving you a plant-available phosphorus. So one of the things that Grant alluded to earlier was the Agronomy 365 taking soils and tissues throughout the entire growing season. Um, we don't want to be a company that just talks about what our microbes do, we want to take it a step further and we want to put the data back in growers' hands. So um, we take soils and tissues on every one of our research uh, plots that we do. Uh, we take biomass samples of all of the treated, the untreated plants, um, and then we take everything to harvest. And one of the things that we see or when, when somebody asks for data, uh, we, we basically flood them um, with soils, tissues, and, and yield data from that. And, and it's not just your standard soil. I mean, we look at that because that's what everybody bases up. But we, we also call the soil indicator complete test, similar to a Haney extract. But really reading how that all reads with the tissue is, is really what makes it different. And, you know, what I like about this is how, you know, how this industry has been done is let me come in here. Let me act smarter than you. Let me talk over your head and convince you that I'm smart at knowing how you know, the plant loves sugar and how it wakes up in the morning. But I can't do that, right? I mean, I need black and white facts. And that's what the 365, you know, can do is it just lays it out flat out. Here's the judge and jury. There's no BS in this. And I remember when we were going to take on the 365 soil and tissue test, I said, Gil, if your bacteria don't, if they don't show positive, you know, she gone. We want to change the B to something else because we ain't selling bullshit. We're selling what works and that's it. I knew it was going to be good because we had all these years of positive results, but uh, he's like, all right. And he was willing to put his money where his mouth was too, you know? So that's, that's really the neat thing is, you know, we're, we will never stretch the rhetoric to fit what we want it to fit. We're going to call a spade a spade and do it with black and white proof. And no one is willing to do that in this industry today. Grant, you have a lot of products. Yeah, go ahead, Todd. Well, one of my subjects I was going to touch on was your testing and how you guys go about making recommendations. Uh, and we'll get maybe get back into that. But uh, you talked about the soil tests, you know, using the Haney test. And my understanding that really does come into play a lot with guys doing regen ag and stuff. So my question is, for growers out there, I mean, do you your opinion, because you're not, you're not afraid to share it. Does the general agronomist out there who the guys uh, are trusted for the decision making process even can they even offer the same thing you're doing? Because do they understand the Haney test, what it shows versus the standard test? And can they even get to the same point you guys are at, meaning to even go the direction you guys are going? Is that even a possibility for current for a lot of current players? Well, I tell you what, you know, my opinion, Bodie, you can chime in, but my opinion is, is um, good information like this, revolutionary information shouldn't be just held, shouldn't be held back for, um, you know, pay me 10 grand and I'll give you this much information, right? We think everyone should have access to it. So yes, those agronomists, um, if they go through the right channels, can get the information, get trained and, you know, and use it. 
Um, they don't have to necessarily sell our BW Fusion products today. The Agronomy 365 platform is an unbiased thing that, I mean, we, we are just licensing the use of it. So by all means, yes, they can get in there if they, if they truly care about their farmer and knowing more, hell yes, they can get access to it. And, well, you know, the, the, the 365 platform, what's really neat is, is it, it kind of makes it easier in how to read it and how to decipher it. And it, and it gives you all the correlations, you know, in a software program. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to the point if the guy, if farmers will know to ask the right questions or what to ask, because I ask a lot of questions from a lot of people that are everyone smarter than me, but I'm really getting the impression a lot of farmers don't truly understand soil health. They, they might know their soils, they might know what the yields are going to be year and year, but they don't understand soil health. And when we're moving this direction, it's going to be rather a key element, isn't it? 100%. And I'm not going to sit here and act smart. I'm not because I was in their shoes two years ago and I'm just beating my head against the desk going, there's got to be more, right? So the system is was built. I was lucky enough to, to get access to it, right? And it has literally turned me in two years into now, you know, that farm don't yield. You can tell why. That farm yields, you know why. And and at least at least you have a lot better idea why. And that's the neat thing is I think that anybody can learn it um, and 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 take it on. But today with what with what we do with you know soil sample, part per million, you know, apply more product based off a lower part per million. No, that will not get you to the next step. That is that is not addressing the most you know, yield limiting factors and no long-term will not win. Um, this, the way we're doing it flat out is, is we feel where the industry's going. And, you know, so. I think the reality of, of the question that you just asked is soil health has a moving target right now. If you ask 10 people to define soil health, you're going to get 10 different answers on what soil health is, right? Uh, and, and there's not one, there's not one metric that's used across the board. But I'll take it a step further, and I would say that, that even soil chemistry is, is not really well understood across the industry either. I think at times as an industry, we've tried to simplify an incredibly complex system. Um, like one of the first things that when I talk to somebody uh, about, you know, um, chemistry, right? And one thing that I say is chemistry reacts with chemistry. It always has and always will. If, if Grant took a row starter with phosphorus and he took an unchelated calcium and he told the grower to go ahead and put it in the tank together, within a matter of, I don't know, minutes, he's going to have that farmer calling him just absolutely pissed off because he's got plug screens, plug filters, and he's got cottage cheese sitting in the tank. And, and my point in that is, is we don't think twice as an industry about calling for the line truck to go out and spread a ton or two ton of lime on the field because the soil sample said so. Well, the very next phone call that goes is, we're gonna go spread map right behind it. Well, we have to start to understand chemistry and how it interacts in the soil system. And just because we don't see it turn into cottage cheese in the soil, doesn't mean that we don't have those reactions that take place. And calcium is a two plus charge, right? And it's a cation. So opposites attract, we know that, right? We were taught that back in junior high chemistry. Well. Calcium being a two plus charge, phosphorus being an anion and negatively charged, you now have calcium triphosphate. That's an insoluble bond that the plant doesn't take up. The plant will not take up calcium triphosphate, right? So we have to then break that bond apart. Well, how does the plant do it? 
Well, the plant does it through exudates that it does every day that it captures sunlight and feeds the microbiology that's in your soil. Where we become really good is, is that we're deploying billions of beneficial biology that specializes in phosphorus solubilization that breaks apart those bonds, then releases two minerals, right? So instead of having one mineral, calcium diatriphosphate or a complex that's not available, you now get to recognize calcium being available and phosphorus being available. But nobody wants to talk about that. We wanna talk about if you're in a removal rate, if you're in a build or you're in a maintenance program, right? The industry is geared this way, is what was your yield? Are you in a maintenance program or are you in a build program? And if you're in a maintenance, your factor is X. If you're in a build program, it's X plus, but nobody ever brings into account the chemistry side. No, I, I, agree. I think people are looking for an easy answer on that front. And they're just, from what I can see, they're just attracted to the bells and the whistles. They want it to be as easy as throwing down the product and hell, they got 30, 30 bushel yield increase and it's going to take work just like everything else. I mean, you were talking about that today, dad, anything that's good, is going to take work and it's going to take some dialing in. And it's not just a matter of I'm using this product though. It didn't work. I'm going to go try this one. Oh, these guys are guaranteeing 30 bushels here. Now these guys are guaranteeing 40 bushels and like a pivot bio, there's no, now they're eliminating nitrogen. And I mean, I do think it's going to take a lot of work though. And I think you guys are making a lot of sense on that front. Yeah. And the, the biological, you know, consortium, there's, there's three different teams that we use, you know, two mainly in the corn soybean production. Again, in each, each team, there's 26 different strains. So we talk about phosphorus solubilization. That's only six of the 26 strains that are in there. So the other bacteria are, are ammonifying nitrogen, um, you know, solidifying sulfur, um, and freeing up micronutrients, creating natural root hormones. Um, but, but I agree, there's, there's more to it. Now. And looking at this, though, I mean, Northwest Iowa, the things we fight, um, after you go through this uh, for a year, you pretty well can now start making some big changes as far as, all right, I'm going to take my boron and I'm going to put it in a two by two at a gallon rather than foliar spray my corn at a corn at tassel, right? So there's things that fundamentally you now can start implementing year after year after year, like it, you need to do it every year that way. So it's not as hard as maybe we want to also lay it out. Cause once, once you see it, it's 90% of all of Northwest Iowa farms need to be handled at least similarly in how you handle your, your macro micros, at least from the start of it. So, um, you know, you know how to handle phosphorus. Okay. The big thing is where the numbers need to be in correlation to each other. That's, that's the first step, you know, if my P is, is on my tissues as a 0.5 at V4, where the hell does my zinc need to be, right? It needs to be at a 50, you know? So knowing that, and then knowing that there's ratios on all of that, that's the first step. <clears throat> and really, you know, the, the guy that built this 365 program, you know, he's the one that, that needs to be taking the, the bows and the pats on the back, you know, cause he spent, you know, many years and many correlations to figure this out. You know, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, I want to speak for him, but, um, you know, he's a principal's ethics guy, just like me and Bodie and, and our whole team is, you know, he didn't want to sell this thing to some big conglomerate, right? You know, some big Helena or some big national distribution channel. Uh, he wanted to sell it to somebody that wasn't going to skew the rhetoric um, and was going to speak the truth. We have a new research guy that's helping Bodie out doing our research and stuff through our 365. You know, he came from one of these big places and, and he had to leave because he couldn't, he just couldn't take it anymore than, you know, basically 
Test it again. Test it again. Hey, just test it again. Test it again. Oh, got one. Positive. We got one. Boom. Blow it up, right? That's what goes on in this industry. And it drives me nuts. My whole, I mean, and I'm getting jacked up. I got coming up. But every day I wake up to expose the truth. It ain't to sell out. Once you, you know, once you make enough money, then it ain't about that. It's just about helping farmers and, you know, expose the truth. And that is what is so fun, you know, with what Fusion's doing is, you know, we're backed by farmers, not by venture capital. We got to talk to our customers next year. That is a weird thing you know, think about in a, in a venture capital company, right? They just, they just want to, they just treat you like a number and they just want sales. We have to talk to you next year, you know, so that we're going to be very cautious with what we recommend and why and make sure reputation is never on the line. Grant's going to try Jordan, Grant's going to try and get me in a fight with my buddies at Nutrient and Simplot. And hey, I've, I've said a few <laughs> things that probably I'm going to step in no. some shit too after this. No, I think, like I told you at FarmCon, I'll have you up on stage with it. No, and I think, you know, uh, Grant's got to, you know, he's got to support his business and, and fight for his family and his farms and just like the Nutrient guys and Simplot and the, the Helena guys. So, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all educational. And I, you know, I think there's a couple of interesting things and I've, I've probably made some of my money, not certainly being the smartest guy in the room, but maybe taking what's said and simplifying some things down. I, I found it interesting when Bodie's talking chemistry and Todd's been harping on me about the big difference between biology and chemistry. And, and it really is true. And, you know, a lot of times when you talk chemistry, you're talking to a chemist and they got tunnel vision on and it's all chemistry, all chemistry, all chemistry, but that's got to go in and coincide like Bodie's saying with the actual biology. And sometimes those don't mix well and those don't interact well. And, you know, it, it, it takes a holistic approach from what I'm seeing to move the ball forward. Meaning, you know, a buddy of mine once said, you know, the key to life is uh, moderation and, and trying to, you know, hit the ball down the fairway and not, not getting a rough too far. And it, and the extremisms to one way, if you're going to extre lean extremely biological, you know, that may be a little too much. If you're going to lean extremely on the chemistry side, that may be a bit like somewhere in the middle in a blended version to get the best of both worlds is probably, uh, you know, where we need to move. And the point of the whole entire series and what, what I loved sparked me, got me really fired up was we all want to leave or we're trying to build wealth. And we all love our families. It's the one thing that ties us all together. What's the guys in nutrients simple? It don't matter you, me. We all want to try and better our family, move the ball a little bit further down the field uh, and, and leave the farm in a better position for the next generation than it is currently. And that's where I say you have to, if you're one of those people and that's your plan, if you're just planning to, to exit or sell that, that night, like I said, it's probably isn't your game. But, you know, we're trying to, to leave it for the next generation, the next, the next, and the next, and hopefully skate a little bit ahead of the puck and get them started the right way. I told my wife, it's like, if we owned a bunch of gas stations, uh, a buddy of mine owns a bunch of gas stations. You know, he's like, what the hell? This was his plan to leave to his kids. Now he's got to figure out how to transition that. You know, I mean, if we're going to have all these electric vehicles. We're going to have all this crazy, you know, how are you going to transition it? And all I'm saying is we think in the next 20 years, let's forecast out, 15 to 20 years, there's going to have to be some fairly dramatic changes made on most farms from an agronomic standpoint. Would you not agree with that, Grant, Bodie, Todd? I mean, I think we're seeing the pressure. 100% yeah. of it. And, it, you know, really, you know, to bring this full circle, just like you're doing there, <clears throat> you know, I played D2 college football. When I went there, I wasn't 
I was a, I, they call me a tweener, right? I and mean, what's a tweener mean? Yeah. Well, you're in between. You're not big enough for lineman. You're not fast enough for linebacker. And so, you know, I was scout team, right? Until my junior year, I got to play and all that. But, you know, on the scout team, you know, I actually, you know, I came at them with my best every day. And, you know, the starters didn't, didn't like it, you know, and I, you know, eventually they bit back, right? After about the 10th hit, they bit back and knocked me on my ass flat on my back, right? And I said, see, I just made you better, right? So if we can take this in this industry. I know we're calling out some big names. This ain't for Grant Wells to conquer egg, the egg market Midwest. This is to challenge everybody to get better. Quit lying to your customer, have some integrity, and let's figure this out together because there's more to the story, just like you're saying. And we're going to be forced into this, you know, with regulation. And, you know, the more prepared we can, we can be to do that, um, and handle our, you know, our, our, you know, nutrients more efficiently. That's, that's what we got to do. Guy told me, he says, Grant, how lucky you are to start this thing. $6 corn. Go, no, this, this thing is needed in $3 corn. When that farmer's nose is under the water and he, and he doesn't know what to do. I mean, he's got, I mean, some of them do, I'm not saying, but they got their precious little dollar bills. They got to put them in certain areas. They need people that aren't going to lie to them to help them share where they need to put those dollars. And that's, you know, that's really what this thing's all about. You know, addressing the limiting factor. Let's just show you where not to waste your money this year. And, you know, again, not for me or this company to take over ag. It's to, what we're doing is challenging everybody else to get better. And that's, I mean, that's the name of the game, just like you said. So. <clears throat> so what are you, what, what's the, how are you applying? You know, what is it right after harvest? How many weeks after harvest are you, what's the window there? You know, so all our studies, uh, you know, it's a combination. You want to use the, the 501 team that's in meltdown and then the 401 team that's eating bias 401 or, or biocast in the spring. It's really a two-step approach. If you want stock degradation um, benefits, which most farmers do, it's free right behind the combine. Um, you know, let that get that algae bloom to, to bloom up for a good week before you work it in. We don't like to really disc rip it in if you can help it just because there's less air and oxygen, you know, 12, 12 inches down than, than the top four. But um, if you have to, at least you're going to get that degradation on the top. And, you know, just to kind of show the degradation, I did a study a couple of years ago, a test. I left 320 feet of standing corn stalks, you know, just no till out of my field. And, you know, my dad disc ripped. So that's what I, you know, that's what I've been doing. And so I disc ripped everything else and this, uh, sprayed the outside 120 feet with meltdown. Came with my field cultivator that year, worked up beautiful black, got to that standing corn stalks and went right through the field cultivator. Didn't, didn't do anything else. Everybody knows that they tried that today and plug up, right? Got right to the middle, plugged up, balled up, just like you'd expect and got back out of it and, and, it, and it went right through again. So, you know, so that's kind of that stock degradation, you know, benefits. But when we got 365, we're going, oh, this ain't even. So we had a guy spray the meltdown on soybean stubble in the spring. And we're going, holy cow, 20, 30% nutrient release across the board on macros and micros. So it's, it's more than just stock degradation. So you're the type of guy that's like, my, my sprayer is in the shed and I sure shouldn't get it out. Um, this is a hundred percent when we're talking re replace phosphorus. Uh, we can show you some neat things with how we're, taking nitrogen and and converting organic to inorganic sorry inorganic organic to inorganic and how we're releasing uh you know keeping a lot more ammoniacal nitrogen late um you know you know so 
it's more than just stock degradation, but it definitely starts with meltdown. You can do a fall or spring. And then in the spring, pair it up with either biocast or 401. What what do you not to interject? What are you seeing guys in, reduce their input costs by? I mean, what are you seeing out there in your neck of the woods? Or we, we call it reallocate, right? So it starts with, yeah. you know, what's your yield goal? What what are you trying to accomplish? And you know, every farmer is different. They might have a farm over here that they want to see if they can break their personal record. They got a farm over here. They're going, this thing's uh, a dog, and I want to just get it back to the averages with the rest of them. Then you get uh, another guy who might say, I just want to make money, whatever that means, right? The most amount of money. And so it really starts with that and, you know, kind of morphs into, you know, what the recommendation is going to be and, and how much of each. And, you know, potash is interesting. I've got a farm that, you know, Bodie's got to sometimes, you know, he, he's got to, he's got to keep me tempered a bit. Sometimes I just go hog wild on this. I got this farm K I'm sitting at like, I'm two X in the tissues right now in my case and well over a three some people are watching that that watch tissues i'm well over a three at r5 and i got half the amount of part per million in my soil than other farmers you know and and they've got half as much of the tissue so figuring out how to apply k differently you know what are more efficient ways to apply it i mean Bodie's figured out he shared it with me right so We've got the answer for that, how to take those dollars and reallocate them a better way. Sometimes it's just timing. We like to take that phosphorus budget, that $50, $60 budget, and I'll go, okay, what's your, what are you trying to do, right? It's just to make money. All right, meltdown 401, boom. We got to bring the zinc as a, as a correlation to that. Where does that fit in? You know, boron, we got to have equal amounts, basically, of everything. So we address every one of those equally with that $40 or potentially the $20 of it, $30 of it. And, you know, they could be saving big amounts of money. So nitrogen is one thing you, you mentioned, you know, cut back 40 pounds at end. We are super cautious on this, um, this whole thing because nitrogen is way more complex than phosphorus um, is at least from a, from what affects it and, and what all goes into it. I mean, so what we've seen in our soil, Haney extracts and all of that is, you know, there's a uh, five, six, seven things that goes into that. And you might have in one farm, you know, the spot over here is going to release hundred pounds of N and a spot over here might release 50, you know? So if we just say, okay, guys, put on 180 pounds and then now just cut back 40, you know, even at the 180, we're going to be limiting our yield in these two other, two other areas. So really the long-term play is variable rating your nitrogen and knowing, you know, how much you need to put on especially if they regulate someday how much we can put on, you definitely want to put more on spots that needs it and less in, in other spots. And, and so it's, it's, it's really more than just cutting back in 40 pounds. I think that's just a, there's no agronomy in that. And, you know, we want to be the agronomy. We want to be the, you know, the company that shares it, the agronomy from an educational standpoint, you know, and just let that lead, you know, you know, with, with what we're doing. So to answer your question, it's really, where does the guy want to go? My farm, I wanted to, achieve my highest yields I could. I mean, I, I reinvested that 50 and spent another 50, right? And, you know, other farms, you know, I didn't have to do anything. My yield was 200 bushel and just, you know, converted the two bacteria and that was it. And I saved 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah so, I like the uh, open platform too. Jordan, we always talk about that with Tesla. I loved Musk's philosophy on an open platform for people in the EV, the electric vehicle space and the in the battery space, they made that technology as they were learning and building. They 
they allowed it to be open to, to other people. And it, uh, it really propelled, I believe, their, their business. And, and, a, and a lot uh, of people have piggybacked and, and joined the, the parade. So, no, I'm, I'm super excited to hear that we have some good data. And, and, and so, and, and, again, yeah, I mean, what we want to be is, the, is we want to be the consultant on the macro and the micro and the biology and how to marry that all together. Even though we have BW Fusion reps in, I don't know, 16 states or I don't, can't remember, 12, 13 states. We don't have access to some of them macros, right? The, the nitrogen and the sulfur, but we need to be able to show guys, you know, split applying N, what does that do for you? Ammoniacal nitrogen late, what does that do, do for you? Different forms of sulfur. If we need a ratio to nitrogen, you know, what sulfurs are more are available now? Which ones are available later? You know, that whole discussion, how do we handle K and apply it differently and actually get maximum uptake? How do we handle P differently? And then where do the, where do the ratios need to be with all the micros? And so that's really what we want to be is, is, you know, is share guy how to use those, those macros with the program. And that's, that is as much of the success as, as, as any of it. Yeah. So what's, uh, Bodie, what'd you, what, what's the, what's the question out there with all the tar out east, all the tar problems on corn on corn early. What are you guys seeing? Any reason for that? I know it was kind of the perfect year, perfect storm with the wet, you know, some of the wet conditions, but. What's on the tar spot? Yeah, tar, tar. I assume you're talking about tar spot that's coming in here. Yeah. Pretty much. yeah. Uh, it, it showed up a couple of years ago, came out of Wisconsin, come out of the north, northwest, northeast Illinois, northwest Illinois, and it's making its way down. Uh, I know they found tar spot now as far south as south of Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, that, that thing is just brutal. I've got some growers I work with that are three fungicides deep. Um, on that, I'm hearing other guys that their consultants told them, Hey, no need to spray. Don't spray. And they're 70 to hundred bushels under, uh, what they thought that it should be or what other neighboring fields are. So, you know, you, you, you add that on, on what Grant kicked off this deal with is it was pretty doom and gloom. Uh, you know, when he kicked off as far as struggling to get inputs. And now we're going to talk about potentially adding hundred dollars an acre. In fungicide costs, if you got to fly it on three different times, the cost of the fungicide flying it on, um, but you know it's it's a hundred bushel too, so it is it's bad. It is just uh, if it's coming in, um, it's just completely shutting plants down, um, taking away all photosynthetic capabilities, and really shutting the plant down. So the yield, uh, obviously, the healthier that you can keep that plant longer through grain fill. Uh, the smaller that the bushel has been taken. Um, I've heard some that were shut down as early as August 31st, August 25th. Um, that corn obviously is a train wreck. Um, it's, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't know if people remember, I mean, last, last year, Vel I feel Veltum was one of the best ones for tar spot. Um, and that thing was, boy, you couldn't even get that out there. Right? I mean, it was sold out. Um, nationwide and you're going to look at you're going to see more outages and stuff like like this uh, going forward BSS already kind of warned of that so if you have the tar spot issues out there I mean you're best to try to buy that Veltum early and put it in and put it in your shed because it's going to be it's also going to be short yeah I see what you're saying yeah that makes yeah. sense I think you're going to see a lot of corn producers that start planting soybeans that typically have hated soybeans a from just what the input cost is uh, and the exposure that they're going to have out of it. And then B, just rotating. Because if you go corn on corn on these tar spot fields, 
you could just pretty well etch in the fact that you're going to have tar spot next year. You know, that's, that's funny because we've been on a lot of calls with some of my bigger, uh, the bigger traders and, and hedge fund guys that are big traders and in, in corn and beans. And we're all talking, you know, acres next year. And we think this tar spot thing's going to spook some guys like you're saying and the input cost being higher. So it's, it's just, you know, you're going to swing more acres into beans. I, is what we feel we, we we're going to see at least early. And I'm, I'm in agreement with you. So I, I think well, that's probably something to look for. Yeah. Yeah. Cure for high prices or high prices, right. Supply demand, demand rationing. So yeah, it's going to start happening. And, and, um, you know, this damn nitrogen, uh, you know, we sell a lot of 32% and they gave us a price one day in July, you know, where you could book it and this is normal but they, they limited the, what you could buy, you know, you know, we, we still have storage for tons we can hold and they said, no, you get this, this much percent. And that was everybody across the board. And still to this day, you know, September 21st, they still haven't came out with a price yet. And farmers are frustrated because they want to, they want to lock this stuff in and the manufacturers aren't allowing it. You know, they're just, they're just like, yeah, let's see. We don't want to see if that we can get more out of this thing. And uh, you know, it's really too bad that, you know, and now imports are getting, you know, tariffed, um, you know, there's, there's really not no fight against it. Um, and that's what sucks. Well, so plant beans, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, look at the economics of it and, and uh, might be one way to fight back. So. Yeah. Jordan, Todd, you guys got some other questions people wrote in. I was uh, wanting to know on like, if your guys' front on the biological side, is it going to become more of a green play with some of that biological stuff you think, or will there be a premium by any means down the future for applying certain biologicals um, or having healthier soil? I, I think you're starting to see that some, I think, uh, I don't know, was it the USDA? Somebody is going to allow certain States to pilot program. I think this year that you're going to get uh $5 an acre or something off your insurance premium for using a cover crop on, on your uh, RM, RMA or whatever your crop insurance would be. So I think the, I think the short-term answer is, is, is yes, but the long-term answer is, is I don't know what it looks like. I think if, if you look around the industry, you know, obviously the carbon market is a really, really, really hot market that everybody is, seems to be trying to play in. Um, everybody seems to be, uh, around that same figure. They're willing to pay about the same dollar per acre as everybody else. Uh, I think the contract length is, is different for some. I think some have been five years, some have been 10 years. Um, I think that deal's just another unknown. I think there's a lot of things, a lot of speculation that, that the premium's going to be there, that we're going to get to that point. But to sit here today and say, this is what we think it actually looks like, I don't know that anybody can tell you what it actually is going to look like. So all we can do, we feel, to help the farmers is, you know, try to build the data, build the proof on, on different ways and, and products that can help sequester carbon and, and do that. But, you know, the companies today that are going out here paying people, um, you know, and, and signing up contracts, there's really nothing on the back end, right? And it's all, it's all just shelling cash out, get the market share for when it's figured out, we can kind of plug and play. And to me, that's the dangerous thing, I think, from a farmer standpoint, signing up is there's just not, there's not that, you know, regulated, here's how we're going to measure it. You know, here's how we're going to, you know, value it, you know, from a regulatory standpoint. And, 
you know, some of these contracts are 10 years. And if you're signed up for 10 years as a farmer, you can't, you can't re-sign those acres up with somebody that's doing it the right way in two years from now. So we feel the best way is just be cautious. Don't poo-poo it. Just see, see what, where the raw hard data is. And, and uh, we you know, met, met with all these companies trying to figure out which ones maybe have it figured out. And, you know, the way they measure carbon, you know, you could add a product to the soil and it'll register higher carbon. It didn't, it didn't sequester from the air. Right. So it's kind of like, okay, this isn't going to, until they can figure out, prove how it sequesters from the air. I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of pump the brakes and, and, and kind of wait and see. So hey, you bets aren't Jordan, I, on your front with the carbon, like trying to increase it as far as product wise. Can you say that again? I said, you guys aren't doing anything product wise as far as trying to increase carbon. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've got proof where we can show that behind the use of meltdown, uh, we measure WEOC, which is water extractable organic carbon. Um, now, when we've talked with those companies, um, a lot of companies aren't measuring that one. Um, we're still trying to figure out maybe why. Um, I, I think part of the reason is, is that number is significantly lower than what a total carbon reading would give. So WEOC, the reason that we care about WEOC or water extractable organic carbon is that's the food source that drives the entire biological function. So if, if, if we have elevated WEOC levels, I know that I can sustain biological uh, populations for longer throughout the growing season and get more out of that biology. Um, however, it doesn't register. It's a fraction, right? It's only what's available there. So it's a fraction of the total pool or the total carbon. And I don't, I personally don't think that they think that it tells a good enough story to the airline industries or the shells of the world that, you know, they want to feel good about if I'm going to spend this many dollars to buy carbon credits, I want to see a big number, right? I don't want to see a small number. Um, but from our, our standpoint, yeah, we are showing um, behind the use of meltdown that we, we actually are driving those carbon levels higher. Yes. Hey, Jordan, yeah. I'm going to give you my, uh, I'm going to give you my 20 year view for what your question, you know, when you were talking, uh, do we ever see where they're going to be a premium? Like Bodie was saying, yeah, they're starting to see the premium with the cover crops and things. Here's my assessment. And this is, you know, like I said, again, just my assessment, but shit, I guess what people pay to hear when I try to connect the dots uh, between what I'm hearing in the agronomy side between what I'm hearing, being on the board at certain companies, uh, my friendships with Cargill, ADMs, the the Bungies, uh, the execs, owners, uh, CGBs and, and Andersons, things of that nature. My feeling is those guys, the big players, already sell to the McDonald's, the Chipotle's, the Anheuser-Busch's. Their messaging hasn't been the best from the ADMs, the Cargills, the bug. They, they have those clients. They have those customers. They can they sell direct to them. You're going to see the McDonald's, Anna, but these, these bigger end users push back into the bigger buyers and want certain items or line items on the where it's grown, how it's grown, what's put on the crop, what isn't put on the crop. We believe as you see more of this blockchain build out through your crypto, through your NFT space, whatever the hell you want to call it, these young kids build this blockchain out more, the farms are eventually going to become blockchain. They're going to know exactly what's on the crop. They're going to know 
how much fertilizer you're using, what you're using. They're going to blockchain it from the ag retail side of the thing all the way down to the to the uh, buyers. And just like we're seeing with Galen Lawrence and the groups down, uh, you know, with the new cotton ginning places, they want to know where the cotton was grown, what field it was grown in. They want the story behind it. They want to know what was put on the cotton, what kind of T-shirt I'm wearing, because Patagonia ain't going to buy the shit if they think it was sprayed with something bad and the kids aren't going to buy it. Whether we believe in this or don't believe in it, I suspect, you know, you spray dicamba and Cargill's getting leaned on from McDonald's or Chipotle, who they're selling to, that we can't have anything with that because it's bad messaging. Well, you're going to get dinged. You're going to take a, you're going to get a penalty. And if you have good shit, <laughs> that's more biological, more natural, more this or that, you're going to get a premium and you'll be able to have the block chain that is able to be sourced to premium end users who are selling that story to Jordan, your friends and your kids who, who want to eat fake meat and yeah. want to save the planet and not abuse animals and all that shit. That, that not, not saying all that shit. I don't mean it. That, I'm not trying to get into political. I'm just saying they do a great job of selling that premium to your generation and the others without ever even being on a farm, seeing how people really treat their animals, seeing how crops really grown. So I believe that pressure is now going to come to the farm and you have to be 15, 20 years out. I mean, you're going to have to be singing the right tune to get the right premiums. And I think what Grant and Bodie are trying to do is on that track. It is right on that track. And, uh, and this, you know, uh, try and get ahead of it. Yeah. I think the blockchain is coming down the pipe for sure. And we don't, we haven't seen it much in the row crop space. I mean, it's coming down the pipe in every space. I was talking to some people uh, I know that even own a, just bought out a ticketing platform and they're going to try to take on Live Nation and they're going to try to take them on by bringing blockchain to tickets. So you can blockchain the original tickets, what they were sold for, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's, it's coming down the pipe and ag. And I went to that cattle con there this, a few months ago and there's a lot of blockchain stuff going on in cattle um, that I really didn't know about. And uh, everything from the ear tags where they're born. Um, I know, like you said, the Patagonia, the Chipotle is there into the blockchain now, but I think it's just going to continue to grow. And once you see cattle really start to, I mean, the blockchain starts to make a difference. It's, it's coming for row crops, I think for sure, right behind it. And I mean, I don't know if it, row crops catch up, but from what I see now, the cattle side's probably going to go first, poultry, and then row crops are right behind it on this blockchain movement. And I think that's definitely where we're going um, on, any, on anything. Do you think, do you see any way that the, this, I mean, the farmer could like, could McDonald's buy direct from that farmer and develop that store, that big cattle rancher and, you know, somehow cut the JBSs of the world out of this thing because they're the only ones getting rich. The yeah, poor I mean, cattle farmer can't, I mean, he's, he's suffering and he's doing all the damn work, you know? So that'd be the only positive if, you know, if it's tracked back to the farm, you get a, you know, that, something that could keep up with supply. More demand on that side, I think. I mean, you're seeing Chipotle do it now with rice, their beef. Yeah, their I beef, think, everything. I think, well, Grant, to give you the line, like, uh, like the big win with Benson Hill. So Benson Hill is going to roll out and go, this isn't secret. I mean, they're going to go public in two weeks, three weeks, whatever. They're going to hit the, yeah, you know, they'll be ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange in a few weeks. 
Um, they're going to be on the first rollouts. But I, I think their business model is dead on in the fact they're going to be all encompassing. So they're going to create that bean. Let's say that, that like I told you, that non-GMO bean with specificity to the end user. So if Chipotle wants a certain protein or a certain type of bean and they want a certain content, they can create that and spin it through the CRISPR technology. Then they're going to get a grower to grow it, you know, and they're going to need certain things on there. Like you're talking, they're going to, they're going to love more of a biological story than a chemistry story, uh, you know, into that degree. But then they're also bought the processing plants, the soybean crush facilities, and it's going to be, the loop's going to close. And the producer's going to be able to get a big premium for that and make a lot more money. And like you're saying, I think producers should ultimately be open to the blockchaining of the farm because that would allow them then to go direct to a McDonald's. If a McDonald's can believe they have proof of data that this is what's going on this, this certain crop, they're willing to probably be a buyer. Which You see the- what I'm saying? On the cattle side, that 44 farms deal, um, I don't know if people heard of it or not. They're down south in Texas. They've been running blockchain on their cattle for four or five years, um, just tracking everything. They sell direct to Walmart. Oh, really? Yeah. Which And that's the guy you said making the big premium? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. On the premium side, he he's a lawyer, I guess, Uh bought and uh, his family's had the cattle forever and he made the he made he balls up and said we're, we're going all in on this cattle or on this blockchain on yeah. this cattle and now they are the main supplier to sam's club walmart they sell direct that's, that's why i love it shake it up change the industry the good old boys club is no longer the good old boys club you know what i mean that's what i love about yeah. about where that could go with that and you know he yeah. said you know maybe that these companies would like that biological program you know that's great you know, but again, we're, we aren't biased. Like, you know, so if, if somebody can come in here and convince us that putting on more phosphorus is better and they can prove that beyond what our data shows. Okay. Let's do it. Right. I mean, so we're not, we're not anything about, you know, spiffing the the rhetoric on our end, you know, we're just anti-investments that don't make money. Right. So we don't want to invest anything that doesn't make money for the farm, you know? And so if somebody's willing to pay a premium for biological, Hey, great. But that's not why we're, we're running it. Right. So. So that's just a, you know, and, be an added benefit. And, and two on the blockchain stuff, I don't even think it's, I think it trips a lot of people up because when you think blockchain, you think crypto, you think high tech stuff. And it's, it's not high tech. It's just keeping track of what you're putting on and what you're doing. And here, this is what I did this year. These were my results. And it's just a matter of writing it down. Even it's that simple and or putting it in a spreadsheet. It's, and which I think a lot of people in ag get tripped up thinking it's, super high tech, which a lot of that blockchain stuff now you're seeing in the cattle industry, it is high tech, but it's high tech because it's making it easier recording all the data. It's just data. I think it's just a story. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, who's going to tell the story the best? Um, you know, you look at Jason Mock on Twitter, you know, that guy, uh, he tells a story and he's got, he started a, a meat a meat company that he's selling meat all around the, the area of Muncie. Um, and again, he just, he just decided that he was going to tell a story and try to do it better than other people in the industry or other people specifically in that area. And he's created a niche market. And I think that that's the reality of the world that we live in is, is who's going to tell the story and who's going to tell it the best. 
Well, yeah, it's going to make food more them. valuable. Make our food more valuable. That's what people want to pay more for it. That means the farmer hopefully will you'll get more out of the out of what he's doing too. Yeah. And I think this whole and we all know this everything with COVID and everything else and the and the Chipotle problems three four years ago uh, with the outbreaks. You know, here's the deal: they want to be able to say, you know, this was grown exactly in this plant. Here's who was working on it. Here's where the problem came from. And they get that damn thing quarantined immediately. And that they can lock off their supply chain and know exactly where it came from. Like it came out of here. Here's what was supposedly sprayed on it. Here's where our problem stemmed from. And it just lets them just boom. That's, the, that's the big thing in the livestock is just yeah. stopping yeah. disease and outbreaks. Like, yeah. like same, with dairy. Yeah. same day within 24 hours. Right. I mean, that's, so that's I, 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 we're going that way. There's no question. I mean, I, I see that. On Just like course. we talked about with the tar stuff going on. I mean, yeah. we got that blockchain yeah. off. Maybe there's a way to stop it from happening. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind you of an unknown, definitely an unknown area in the crop blockchains. It hasn't, I don't really, I haven't seen it entering in the crops yet, but it's definitely coming down the pipe. Well, it's no different than you guys seen. So we did the deal with uh, our Israel, our friends from Israel, uh, autonomous pivot. So they got this camera uh, on the pivot now and it can identify insect, you know, a new insect when it shows up that hasn't been, you know, AI wise, uh, intelligence wise on a computer. It, it probably identify leaf uh, tar spot too, Todd, early, you know, out in the middle of the field. If you're seeing any changes on the plant or any change in insects, it can alert you basically in real time. And it, it, it's pretty cool. I see it getting better and better and things coming along that are gonna get better and better at that uh, with, with the AI technology on the computer side to identify wow. any change that shouldn't be there. You yeah. know, hell, they could compare it. You could compare it to your crops of the last 10 years, uh, uh, an exact photo of where you're at and which stage and shit, you got any difference at all. You, you could be identified, known and, and told right now. Yeah, I think the uh, we're going to see more and more autonomous sprayers on that side of front. I've been talking with a lot of guys on. I know a lot of the space right now saying those spraying drones are going to take over the spraying space. And from what I'm hearing, I don't think that's the case. This autonomous drone spraying stuff is going to be more of what you said, just checking out the fields, what's going on right in this specific area, checking out leaves and all that. So yeah, I can provide it can provide a great view do you guys do much spraying grant uh from aerial or uh yeah i mean so you know you know well at wells it's it's embrace embrace the demand right i mean what does the farmer want from this relationship and and find a way to provide that and and then when they when they want something it's you know think through it and you know how's this how's this being done today and how could it be done better right and so that's yeah we have oh, 12 or 13 sprayers and we spray you know, a 24 hour standard uh, Wells Ag, you know, will spray your crops in 24 hours from a premier standpoint. And what's really neat is I don't own any of these sprayers, right? So, I mean, the sprayers are, are great investments if your butt's the one driving it, but if you got to buy them and employ people to put in them, they're a wash. And in fact, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's just a mechanism to sell the chemicals. So we embrace that from a contractor standpoint you know, as a, you know, as a family farm, um, you know, way to have secondary income, empower the farmer to own the sprayer and uh, have him run it and tell you they can make money. 
a lot of money doing that. And we get a farmer spraying for a farmer. So yeah, we do do a lot of spraying. I think the drone thing, the tanks aren't big enough uh, to do enough loads, you know, with the drone spray. And then to get bigger drones, you got to have an FAA license or whatever, like an actual air license just to fly the damn thing. So I would agree. I don't, I don't see that. I think uh, autonomous sprayers, I could see that. I mean, why not? Yeah. You know, you know, so. Yeah. Todd, you got the, anything? The AI thing. I just, we have a turf, turf division. Um, I mean, see on my, see on my, uh, on my shelf up there and see the little jugs back there. Anyway. Oh yeah. We got this guy named Josh. He uses uh uses AI to, you know, I want I want the thing to say this, say it better, and it spits it out. It's crazy. I, some website that he subscribes to it. This AI thing is gonna uh, it's gonna blow everybody's mind. I think. Oh, I agree. I think it's nuts. Todd, what do you got? Well, it's gonna be backtracking a little bit, but the only question I really didn't uh, throw at you, Grant, was uh. You know, I hear all the time, I tried it, I tried a biological, it didn't work, or I tried it, worked one year, didn't work the next. What, what, what's your recommendation to the guys out there that are listening that, uh, and you kind of answered some of this throughout, it's all good stuff, but what, what process do they need to go through to decide, instead of just listening to a salesman who's making a spiff off selling something that needs to be moved off a shelf? Oh, 100%. The, whole, the, the deal breaker is the 365 swollen tissue test, because we can say, all right, you want to try one product, the biological, or let's, let's try it. Like it's a, it's a program, but let's try it. So we go out there with and without, and we test it. Now, you know, we could, we might have where, where you, where you put the stuff on, Hey, farmer, there's three big red flags, big, huge limiting factors. You got a pH of four, one, or your, you know, this level is way out of whack. Like this biological is going to do you zero good unless you address these other factors. So it's more than one product, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the balance of all of it. And, and for any company out here to come out and talk over your head and say, use this, you know, you're going to get X amount of bushels of yield X amount of times is, you know, is, is really, you know, so having that tool to show why it won't work is just as, as important. Um, you know, you know, just all decisions with the 365, you know, and hydrus is something, you know, that'll actually acidify the soil. So if you got some, uh, some land that needs a bunch of lime and, you know, and, and hydrus is probably not the best thing to put on it, you know, so looking at that ahead of time and go, you need to put some lime on, you know, let's just not use any bio biologicals on this. Let's just put some lime on start there, you know, so that's really the, the difference maker. There's, it's been kind of fun because there's a lot of popular products out here and we'll just put them through the Pepsi challenge, right? And just, you know, the 365 pe Pepsi challenge and products that people buy millions of gallons of don't freaking work. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't get in the leaves. It, I don't know why. I mean, the molecules are too big and that's what's, what's just kind of neat is it, it can verify that. So I think back it up with some testing on, 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 you know, if you're going to try something. And again, the 365 is something any farmer can sign up and do. They don't have to, they don't have to buy it from BW Fusion even, you know, and that's how, that's how just open and upfront we are with that. And they can go to the website and, and, and sign up a farm and, put our products to the test, you know? Well, and, I, and I'll ahead, just, I'll time. just, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say, I'll just, I was going to end with this. I've made, I've talked to a number of people and the reason, and Grant and I have talked in the past too, and I've asked him a lot of in the weed questions. I have not found anyone that has more of a, of an answer, a process and a, a system that to, to do that, to save the money. So you're not hearing that I tried it and didn't work and don't know why. So I'll just leave it, uh, leave it at that. Let's let's get into heated argument with 
regen ag versus not. so todd and i the last what? few weeks we, grant we've just been blowing each other up on some of this shit Bodie will get a kick out of it i mean i'm coming from a you know todd's trying to jam down my throat that we could go back you know we should be going back 100 years 50 years back and Todd, what are you saying? He's shaking his head now. Go ahead. Not the way. Anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, I've heard you say that. Yeah. No, I, I did. I, uh, I I get the pleasure of farming with my grandpa. He's eighty four years old, and my dad, <clears throat> my dad's in his sixties, and uh, and we all get to farm together. And I came to my grandpa one day, and and the Kitchells. One thing the local area knows about the Kitchells is, is we're pretty boneheaded. Um, we, we're not bashful about that. So. Uh, there's been some fairly good doozies between my dad, my grandpa, me and my dad, my, my grandpa and I, and, and I, I can remember going into my grandpa's office one day and I said, grandpa, I said, uh, your generation had it figured out, but my generation is going to get credit for it. And he looks at me and he says, what are you talking about? And I said, if you look at where agriculture is headed today, right, what are we doing? We're, we're adding back in diversity. We're adding back in livestock, manures, grazing. We're, we're going back the way that, that my grandpa, when he grew up, you know, if you had 80 acres, it was in four paddocks. You had 20 acre paddocks and you had, you had oats in one, you had wheat in one, you had alfalfa in one, and you had corn in another one. And you had chickens and you had hogs and you had dairy cattle and you had beef cattle and, and the manure all got spread on, you know, the high parts of the farm that wasn't, wasn't as black as the other parts, you know. And, and if you really look at where agriculture is today, that's where we're going back to. We're adding cover crops back in. Uh, we're adding uh, manures back in. We're adding all of this stuff back in that, that they did 50, 60 years ago. They didn't know why they were doing it. It was just because they did it. And now we have a label for it, right? We call it regen ag and, and take away all synthetics, right? Take away everything and, and let's go back. That way. And, and I think that, you know, as you said, uh, when Grant got uh, when Grant got pretty fired up there, you said all things in moderations, right? If we go too far one way, we go too far the other way. I think that that probably where we'll end up is somewhere in the middle, somewhere where we have been on the the full synthetic side, maybe not all the way to the full regen side, but bringing what some of those guys are doing on the regen side to what we've done on the synthetics, where we can still do more with less. Um, we we kind of call it pro farmer efficiency. And that's really what it is. Well, I, it's a side story. I mean, so the thing, the neat thing with regen egg is, okay, let's talk regen eggs, great with the environment. No, let's just, let's just look at the black and white data, right? Let's just look at that. And what's cool was I had a farmer's name, Jason Scott. Hopefully, hopefully he's listening to this uh, when we get done. But uh, he had a farm prevent plant um, two years ago, three years ago. He put oats out there. He didn't want weeds to grow. His prevent plant farm had a lot, had a lot of rain. And he was gonna he was gonna bail them, but it got this disease in him real bad. And he said, you know what? I'm just gonna disc them, disc them under. So he dissed these oats under, sprayed them with meltdown. And that next season, we had four, di three different sample sites in this farm, and each one of them, it was he'd already put, he'd put 130 pounds of nitrogen on, and so he was gonna go wide drop another 70. And so we tested this. And each spot with the Haney extract said he was going to release 140 pounds yet. And this was V12. was going to release 140 pounds yet. But his K's were in the shitter. And we're going, whoa, Jason, you don't, you actually don't need any more nitrogen. Like, you know, I didn't know Oats did this. I mean, I'm not, you know, I've learned it because I see it now. And, you know, let's put on K, his best damn farm and only put 140 pounds of N on, you know, again, contributing it to those Oats uh, that were left out there, you know. So things like that is cool is. 
you know, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's just take the, you know, the, the environmental, it's good for the environment crap out of it. Let's just look at the black and white data. And I would say, here's how you quantify oats. What's it cost? Can it work in a program? You know, and, and how do we use that when it ties, you know, ties, ties into you know, where do we want our goals to be? And that's, what's cool is being able to quantify regen egg from, from just a flat out ROI standpoint. And again, if they regulate us, that falls back into that ROI standpoint, you know, on, we're only allowed this many investments and we got to put them in the right spot. So that's what I get fired up about black and white. Yeah. That's right. I'll argue with Todd and say, listen, a lot of our bigger producers, 10, 10,000, 20,000 acre guys. I mean, you know, they hear regen egg. I mean, they just cringe. I mean, do you guys see that same thing, Bodie? I mean, they're like, Oh, what the hell? This guy do this in a garden somewhere, you know, out back, you know, like on an acre piece of ground, you know, I mean, that's kind of the go-to and it's, you know, how, how would you guys, I obviously know, I guess you start small and just try a couple, you know, a couple of circles or, you know, try a couple hundred acres and, and start to phase it in, in, in smaller doses. Is that your go-to with a lot of these folks or what do you say? Again, I know ROI, right, Grant? Don't do shit unless it makes you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so <laughs> what's kind of cool is, you know, I mean, I don't know farmer that's doing no-till versus a guy that's doing tillage and they both think they're right and you know the flat the point is is where does the soil scores where do we kind of want the targets to be and you can pinpoint right away that okay that practice works or yours can be just as good as that if we just tweak one thing or add something to it so so how do we approach it we approach it from uh you know what's your goal um with what you want to do with this farm what targets then do we need to hit where are you at today? And what are things we can do to help you keep that plan in balance, that soil in balance to help you hit your targets and make the most amount of money? So it's not, I mean, you know, it's not start with some small circles. I mean, but it's, you know, start with an 80 or let's, let's, uh, you know, let's show it to you. Let's, let's show you, let's show you the data. Start with a farm that's poor yielder, right? And let's, let's test that and see what's going on and bring our averages up. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys out there trying to convert till guys to no till? Are you trying to change their, no, we don't, no. we That's don't. Make a, yeah. Go ahead, Bodie. Oh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the one thing that I really have challenged a lot of our sales staff is, is like, I don't think the industry does a very good job of quantifying or qualifying the customers. I, I really don't think, I think as an industry, we don't ask enough questions. Like, what does the grower want? Like, what do they want to accomplish? What are their goals? Because your 10,000 and 20,000 acre guy, no, it scares him to death to use the word regen and think about what what regen looks like on his operation. So, you know, maybe he doesn't need to go there, right? And, and the regen guy, and so I guess we've seen this maybe since the beginning of time, right? When somebody's convinced that whatever they're doing is the right then if you're not doing that, then you're wrong. And, and I, that's, that's where I think more than anything, people get so burnt out on this deal. I think people can't stand the regen guys because the regen guy says, if you're not in the regen, you're an idiot. And you've got the other guy that's on the synthetic side that says, your yields suck on the regen side, or I've driven by and I've looked at your fields and no way I want a field that looks like that. And you're an idiot if you're not on this side. And so it's really... Like, how do we, how do we work within both of those guys? I mean, we got, I've got organic guys that I work with. Some of them are doing it because they truly believe in the organic system. 
Some of them are doing it because they understand that it's a way for them to pull one or two more of their family members back into the operation that they couldn't do. It's an opportunity for them to make money. So why are you in the region, right? Do you believe that this is the way that it's going to go? So you need to figure out how to make it work. Um, do you Are you forced there from a cash flow standpoint that you can't get an operating line to put out on a, a more traditional route? I mean, what do you want to accomplish out of the system? So do we tell people, uh, you got to know till you, no, no, certainly not. I've seen more failed experiments with forcing a guy that's not prepared or not equipped to go no-till than the more successful story. So how do we work within a grower and what they want to accomplish? That's what we're trying to focus on. Really, that, at, at the core, that's it. If you're if you're tillage and and you want to get away from a hundred thousand dollar ripper and a in a tractor and in a gallon or a gallon and a half of fuel per acre, and you want to go to a reduced tillage system, okay, how do we help you get there, right? If you're a, if you want to take it another step further, that's really what we're focused on. Not not telling somebody you got to do this or you got to do this, and if you're doing this, it's it's completely asinine. Let us just the first year show you just flat out just where not to spend money. Just don't spend money here. You know, how, how more honest and trustworthy can we just to show you where not to spend money. So we take a lot of pride in really not making that farmer fit into our system. But how do our how does our recommendations and our products fit into theirs? And that's really the you know, and there, there's some farmers that just flat out, you know, I mean, there's some things they're not going to be able to do on certain farms unless they change some things along the way. So you know, setting the expectation, um, you know, is important and uh, quantifying that customer. What are they really wanting out of, out of it? I'll give you a interesting. I always preach to the kids the same thing. So I was lucky and went to school and played uh, sports and went on scholarship and a bunch of my buddies won World Series and Super Bowls and shit like that. The story is the same. You have to be able to move fast. The fast eat the slow. It ain't the big that eat the small. It's You got to be able to move fast. But the way to move fast is you have to enjoy the process. So if I try and make a till guy, a no-till guy, and he hates it, he just hates all this shit about it, he's not going to move fast. He's going to bitch. He's going to come in at night grouchy. He's going to be arguing with his wife. I want to kick the kids in the ass, and it's going to be a bad deal. It's just going to be the whole situation is going to be shitty. And so I always tell the kids, you, got, you can't just listen there and look at what some other guy's doing. If he eats, sleeps, and breathes organic and loves this whole process and thinks it's awesome, and you're going to kick and buck and feel like you're in a straitjacket, shit, you can't do it. You cannot move fast that way. So I love what your guys' response was there. I was just kind of seeing where you guys were at on that because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it adamantly has to be this, or you adamantly have to do this. And I, it's refreshing to hear you guys say that, no, you really got to do what's uh, you know best for you. And I think that goes all through life. I mean, that goes not just in farming or but like I told the kids, you, you know, you got to you got to find your own uh, your own artistic side of it. There's science and there's art and everything. And to be great, you have to have both. And uh, it's that art side that a lot of people miss out on. And, you know, and that's that's your own flair and your own style. So I think that I think that's great. So 100%. what do you guys think? Wrap it up. Call it a day. What do you guys had enough? <laughs> Jordan? I can't ever get enough. <laughs> Well, Grant knows Grant's going to be at uh, our event at FarmCon. We're looking forward to that. If anyone needs, I know Grant's offering our readers, listeners, subscribers stuff. Uh, if they want the meltdown, they can call our office. We'll hook them up. Uh, you know, you guys got the number. We'll put all that in the data when we send it out. Uh, and you're more than welcome to call Grant and his group as well and 
you want to get on any of that testing. And like you said, I think it's an honest dude. I've met him many times and uh, several times. And Grant, tell him how you got started in all this. Didn't you come home from college? And yeah. yeah, yeah, long story. But yeah, I think I told the story on one of uh, Jordan's podcasts. I was, I was like two hours long. I'm like, man, I talked too much. But no, it, you know, it, yeah, came out of college, father passed away, started it based on, you know, just exposing the truth and, and having that no bias approach. And, you know, so I'm, I'm glad that you're willing to, you know, kind of share the truth with your, with all your people that subscribe, because like you said earlier, you know, we don't, you know, we don't pay, we don't, uh, we don't take money for advertising. Well, the neat thing is, is BW Fusion doesn't pay for endorsements either, you know, so that's, a great relationship of uh two two companies uh, with a lot of ethics just want just want to talk truth that's it and challenge the market to get better because i i can't do this alone we can't do this alone we got to get everybody to be on the same page to just you know get these farmers and 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 help them you know because because they, they they are the lifeline of everything we do i agree so Bodie, appreciate it any final thoughts for anybody Bodie, go ahead Oh, thanks. Just appreciate the time and the opportunity to be on here. Cool. All right. Todd, you got anything? Kevin, I got so much right now. We can't, we're out of time. I didn't give my regen ag side of things. We'll do that for another podcast. But no, I think next time, did you say we're going to do a carbon, a carbon show next time, I believe, for our next podcast? Yeah, we'll do some carbon. Yeah, we're going to talk to some guys on that. Just to let you guys know, we were, some guys came to us and said, what about rounding up some acres uh, through our network of guys that want to be involved in carbon and try and so we don't get hoodwinked? Like we we made the same recommendation you said, Grant. We're, we Todd said told people the other day he wouldn't sign a contract right now either. You know, on a ten year out, you know, hang loose here a second. Let's see what we can do, and you know, maybe we can bundle up a bunch of acres or get a bunch of guys that want to go in together. Maybe we can just pitch it direct ourselves or something. I, hell, I don't know. It's early. <laughs> It, it's going to take something like that. Um, somebody with, you know, the, the, the business acumen and contacts with some of those execs and those players at a high level, because I think there's so much mud in the water right now that I don't, I don't know. I'll put it this way. I think that the percentage of what these carbon credits cost is significantly more than what's getting uh, dispersed um, or getting talked about. And I think there's a whole lot of unknown for a 10-year contract that, that Grant talked about. I know there's a farmer on Twitter that he he kind of did the same thing. He tried to start a co-op. I don't know how it's going, but he tried to start a co-op of getting these acres and just basically saying, hey, if you're going to come in here, basically all you're signing up to is not signing your acres up with somebody else because they think that the long play and the slow play might be the best play. Thanks, Alex. For what you got next next time? Yeah. So yeah, hey, and then we're gonna. I know we're gonna do one just on on uh, micro and and biologicals. I thought it'd be fun to have shit. Let's like a you know a Texas cage match or something. Let's let's see if a guy from Pivot Bio wants to come on. We'll get we'll get some of these other people. That want, I mean, I don't, I, know, got, I, the, uh, I don't know what his name is. Uh, I got a lot of fight in me. I don't know. I ended up getting the CEO's I number. Know, you know. <laughs> I like hearing what everyone has to say, though. Oh, shit, I'll have Nutrient on or Simplot, see what they're doing. You know, I think everybody's got their own line. Friends at Maristem, uh, some of those guys. So, no, I think it's awesome. I love what Grant's willing to take his time, Bodie's time, to help educate our folks. Like I said, hopefully, you know, everyone can give back a little bit, send them some, uh, send them a little biz or use some of the things that the, the tools they have 
found to uh, to work. So we're going to definitely lean on them moving forward with any of our partnerships or things we uh, we try and run across. So yeah, I think it'll awesome. be great. Yeah, Jordan. Awesome, awesome. That's all I got. I think we. Uh, all right. So. I like the hat. By the way, that's what is that hat with the cow on it? That's the cattle hat. I got a. Uh, oh, nice! I like I'll the. Oh yeah, I'll show you something here. Uh, a little well zag in the works. Oh, boom! I swear, what I had to pay. Yeah, yeah, I just got that when I was on the phone. I was like, oh, "That's weird," but yeah, we're doing some wells, little uh, wells ag. But all right, be done here soon. Yeah, cool. cool. Sound good. All right, guys, you have a good one. I appreciate it again. Thank you very Thanks, much. Guys. Talk to you. All right, see you. Bye.